Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep and more. Have you ever wondered why children can be fascinated with cars, trucks, anything with wheels? Personally, I understand the obsession with baby animals. They're cute and cuddly. But just what is it about wheeled vehicles that gets a small child excited? Dr. Caroline Mole is from the School of Psychology at Sydney University. Most importantly, she's also the co-director of the Seedling Developmental Lab, which is basically looking at children from 3 to 12 and, you know, working out how their brains works. And she's got some ideas about why cars and trucks are so fascinating two children. Hi, Caroline. How are you? Hi. Good, thank you. I should also mention that anecdotally, you have your own case study in a two-year-old boy and a four-and-a-half-year-old girl. Indeed. Yes, very important. <laughs> we had that there. <laughs> so many times this question about the obsession with cars or trucks, etc., comes down to gender. Mm. Is there anything to the idea that boys are more attracted to cars and trucks, etc., than girls? There is. There is. You can't avoid it. Um when you look at children playing and you give them a whole range of toys, you do tend to see that on average um, boys will play with things like trucks, cars, things that move, things that interact with each other um, in a kind of physical way. Whereas girls tend, again, on average, to play with those dolls, um, they, you know, interacting with each other more. Um, there is an age-related effect here. Um, so children play differently at different ages. But across the board, you do tend to see that pattern, yeah. Um, and I'm also, when you say that there's different ages and how they play, from memory, because my kids are older now, I think they used to say that up to a point children played parallel, like they didn't interact mm. with each other. Is that why sometimes you can see a, a boy as young as two or three or whatever playing with a car? It's very easy to play on your own with a car, isn't <laughs> it? Is. It? <laughs> it is. Exactly. It is. And this is a thing. So when we think about the toys that children choose, it you naturally start to wonder, is that their choice? Is it something about what they're interested in that pushes them towards those toys? Or is it a choice that's been kind of melded or moulded by the people that they're interacting with? And it's kind of both, and it can be both. So very early on, when they're playing by themselves, it's more likely to be their own individual preference, and it's coming from just what they find interesting. Um, as they get older and they play with each other, so four or five it's natural that you'll start to get that kind of social influence. So if a girl maybe really wants to play with a truck, but all her friends are playing with you know, rabbits or something, um, and she wants to have someone to play with, it's natural she's going to go and play with their choice of toy. Yeah. And so um, when we come down to that very young age, when mm. they, might choose to, they might choose the car at that point, yeah. um, is there any evolutionary reason why they might cho choose a car over a doll? There's a theory. Um, it's not been, you know, you can't, you can't prove it. But one of the suggestions is that if you think way, 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 way back when, the kind of different roles of the men versus the women in society would be that the men's are out kind of gathering and hunting. And in order to do that, you've got to have a very good understanding of three-dimensional space. So one of the suggestions is that maybe um, the little tiny boys who played with these toys at an earlier age could practice those skills. So it gave them an advantage later on, whereas the girls, their really critical role in those days was to keep the interaction of the society 
together. Without that, the society falls apart and basically everybody dies. <laughs> yes. um, so those kind of practicing the interaction, the kind of recognition of other people, their emotions, etc. So that's one explanation. That's one theory. But you've got to remember that it's not just trucks and toys. You know, kids of this age can be obsessed with bugs and beetles. They can be obsessed with vacuum cleaners. They can be obsessed with all number, number of things. And we don't actually know why. We don't know what individual characteristics, so forget gender, we don't know what individual characteristics make one child obsess about, you know, a tortoise, for example, and one child obsess about a fire engine. Feed, Play, Love and Dr. Carolyn Mole will be back right after this. I hope you're enjoying this podcast with thanks to Lego Duplo, the fun way to create and connect. So when it comes down to that debate that you will find anywhere mm. um, about my my boy will play with dolls, I'm not going to, you know, or mm. my girl will play with trucks and then they there's a, a fear that we're um, creating a gender divide by what we let them play with as children. In your experience as a psychologist, does that hold any weight? I think in general, let them play with, with what they want to play with. Don't worry about it so much. I mean, I've seen little boys pick up cars, wrap them in blankets and rock them side to side. You know, and I've seen little girls um, use dolls as you know a, a, a passing toy, a truck, <laughs> exactly. So um, I think what's hard as an adult is we see these toys as very categorical. Young children, I don't think, do that so much. You know, you don't need a doll to be to be caring and nurturing. You don't need... Uh, a construction set to learn about the way that solid things interact with each other. You know, you can bang a stick against a hedge and it does the same thing. So, you know, give your child the opportunity to play with as many different toys as you can possibly come across. And if that's not many, that's fine. Just give them the opportunity. Um, and maybe just don't worry quite so much what toys you're providing because they will use them in the way that their own mind and their own experiences and their own interests will take them. Mm. Now, I'd love to go to uh, the totally unscientific but still fascinating uh, world of personal observation, <laughs> yep. which is uh, for you and your children. Yeah. What is your um, theory in terms of why your son might be like, make you stand on the side of the road and watch a digger for an hour? Well, to be fair, my daughter did that last yes. week. All so right. I was standing with her in her ballet outfit <laughs> and we were watching the very interesting construction going on. I think one thing we forget is that is interesting. To all children, it's interesting because you don't see it that often. And it's it's an insight into the adult world and how it works. And it's massive, huge, noisy machinery, which, you know, grabs your attention. So not just from watching my own children, but just from watching watching kids in general. I think we forget that kids don't categorise things in quite the same way we do. So if you think about a truck, for example, it's got big headlights. They look a bit like eyes. It moves. So it looks like it has its own agency. So for all I, you know, all I know, children are actually thinking about trucks in a very similar way to they think about animals or dinosaurs. They're a, they're a moving object that does interesting stuff. And that's it. I, I love that that looking through their eyes because honestly sometimes I'm like they are so boring <laughs> although getting down on the floor and playing cars mm. is often quite fun particularly yeah. when you're doing all the big leaps and crashes yeah. and stuff yeah it is and it's there's a lot of learning that goes on in that and that's not to say there's not a huge amount of learning that goes on playing with soft toys or dolls or make-believe that's obviously huge but if you're just looking at cars and trucks, for example, then think about all the things you can learn about basic physics, about, you know, dropping things, about letting things slide down a ramp. Um, it's very basic science, but they're learning, they're interacting with that. So, you know, let them go off and do it. 
Fabulous. Well, Caroline, thank you for shedding what light there is available on this topic. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. Thank you. That's Dr. Caroline Mole from the School of Psychology at Sydney University. She's also the co-director of the Seedling Developmental Lab, where they look at children from three to 12 and work out how their brains are ticking. If you're interested, they're always looking for subjects. So head to the notes in this episode of the podcast and we'll put links there and you can find out more. Next time on Feed, Play, Love, we're talking to Dr. Sneha Wadwani about irreversible and permanent contraception. So the requests for female and male sterilisation have dropped quite significantly with the advent of the long-acting reversible contraceptives, largely because the data for those is comparable to that of um, male and female sterilisation and even perhaps more superior to. Listen to this episode before your partner gets the snip. This podcast is produced by Elise Cooper. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you'll join me for the next episode of Feed, Play, Love.